Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy inside our studios on the eve of the college football season getting started tomorrow for the Auburn Tigers inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. We've got to talk about the Atlanta Braves because this team is so much fun to watch. The reigning World Series champion. And as we do on Fridays, we love to catch up with our good buddy Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. Kevin, how are things? How have you been, my friend? I'm doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch the Braves in the second part of the season. They've had those big, epic matchups with the New York Mets and such down the stretch. How much have you enjoyed watching this ball club play since the All-Star break? Yeah, it's been fun. I- I'll take it back a little further than that, really, since June 1st. This has been a team that, ever since Snit had that meeting uh, out there in Arizona, they just flipped the switch and have found another gear. And you know, while they've been able to capitalize on a softer part of their schedule, I don't care who you're playing. When you put up the best record in baseball for nearly two full months, um, that's saying something. Two plus months, I guess you could say, as we're now in uh, September. Time just flies on by. But, you know, look, the pitching staff, uh, since they added Spencer Strider, I think has really uh, stabilized itself. And that's been great to see. Uh, offensively, some of the kids, the troublemakers, if you will, in uh, Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom, have done an admirable job. Uh, two guys that I personally never expected to see here at this level this season, but yeah. it shows what I know. Uh, these 21-year-old kids are coming right up from double-A ball and making an impact. So it's been fun to see, and I'm excited to see what uh, the next month of the regular season holds, and hopefully another uh, deep run through October into early November again here this year. Well, let's talk a little pitching with this club, and you mentioned Spencer Strider. We're talking to you the day after he has 16 strikeouts last night against the Colorado Rockies, a franchise record. What was that like to witness at the ballpark? It was incredible, and most Spencer Strider starts are, uh, just because you see so many bad swings and so many guys walking back to the dugout just perplexed, uh, not really able to figure him out whatsoever. So, uh, you know, sitting in the building last night, I never expected we would see a, an all-time franchise record. Uh, you know, for those folks who, who may have missed it last night, 16 strikeouts over eight scoreless with no walks. That, to me, is even more encouraging than any kind of strikeout numbers you can put up. Uh, for him to go out there and set an Atlanta franchise record with those 16 strikeouts, and it is a Braves all-time franchise record for a nine-inning game with 16 strikeouts. Think about the Hall of Famers that have worn a Braves uniform. Uh, the Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, Tom Glavins of the world. you got to go back to Warren Spahn was the last time we saw a pitcher had this many strikeouts in a game. He had 18, which is the all-time record, but that was in a 15-inning ball game, guys. So, uh, you know, it took him a little bit longer. Uh, it took him a lot longer uh, to, to get to that number. So uh, something we, that has never happened in 151 years of this great game is that we see uh, a first last night with a 23-year-old in Spencer Strider. So I think the sky's the limit for him, and I love the maturity. I love the poise. I love what he says that after the games about not being, you know, satisfied with what he did. He wants to get better. He wants to get stronger. And, and I think that the thing for me is, guys, when you strike out 16 batters, that's going to drive your pitch count up in a hurry. But he punches out 16, and he was only at 105 wow. uh, through eight innings. So that is even more impressive where he's not wasting a lot of pitches. He gets guys 0-2, and he wants to finish them off. Uh, a lot of times you see young pitchers that get a guy 0-2, and they'll start to nibble, and they'll throw a few out of the zone. But that's not his mentality. His mentality is, I want to be as quick and efficient as I possibly can. And again, for a 23-year-old to have that kind of mindset and not back down, I mean, he just, he just went up against the Mets in back-to-back starts. The Astros, the Cardinals, before this start against the Rockies, 
He's been terrific, and I think he's going to be right up there at the top of the vote-getters when it comes to the Rookie of the Year balloting. He's been so good for Atlanta, and I think it's also so interesting to think about the angle, Kevin, that here we are one month, basically, removed from the trade deadline where Atlanta goes out and they acquire Jake Odorizzi, and at the time you're trying to put together a starting rotation, and, and you begin to wonder, is Spencer Strider going to have a spot in this rotation? Is he better served to go be a bullpen guy, given the velocity that he's got and that sort of thing? But I think after these type performances, you're starting to figure out that, uh, yeah, maybe this guy should get to pick for more than one inning every time he goes out on the diamond. It's funny, too, because I know that the conversation, you know, a month or so ago was, well, what's he going to look like in September? Where is he going to be physically? What's his stamina going to look like? And he actually was asked about that after a game, and he was sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I think there was a little seriousness to it as well. He was like, you know, I appreciate everyone being concerned about my, my health and well-being, but I feel fine. I feel great. I feel strong. Uh, the one thing that I think stood out is, you know, a lot of folks were wondering, would there be an innings limit? Would you shut him down? And Alex Anthopoulos shot that notion down very, very quickly, saying, look, he tried that in Toronto as a younger GM, and it didn't work. Guys are still going to get hurt. Everybody's different. Everybody's body is different. So while you can say, yeah, you know, he's thrown more innings than he's ever thrown in his life, uh, it doesn't at least to now in early September seem like that's affecting him. So, uh, again, kudos to him for, for what he's done in this rotation. And he's not a guy that you know gets rattled on the mound. doesn't seem like anything bothers this kid. Got a little swagger to him. He's got a little bit of, uh, you know, he's going to come right after you. And I like that. I like that mentality in a young pitcher. So I'm really, really excited. I, you know, for as much as I used to look forward to a Max Fried start, and I still do, or a, a Mike Soroka start a few years ago in his all-star season, uh, I look forward to Spencer Strider games, I think, more than anybody right now because you never know when you can have an outing like you did last night. Of course, Kevin, a lot of talk as it will continue down the stretch here about if the Braves can catch and pass the Mets. But I want to ask this from a different angle because the Braves have a seven and a half lead on the second wildcard team, which is now the Phillies over the Padres. Is it such a bad thing if the Braves end up being that number one wildcard? Because as we know now, it's a, it's not a one game scenario. It's two out of three. So like, is it really the end of the world? I, I know there's still pride on the line. I know it's still a rival in the Mets that you want to always beat. But is it the worst thing in the world if the Braves end up the number one wild card? No, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, look, you, you'd right now be lining up to play Philly, which on paper I like your matchup. It's a dangerous offense. Look, they can go off now that they got Bryce Harper back and with Real Muto and Hoskins, and uh, they've got some other pieces uh, that have gotten healthy there as well. It's a team that, you know, again, do they have enough pitching? They've got Wheeler, who's been terrific. Noah just got hammered the other night by the Diamondbacks. Syndergaard, man, he's been okay since coming over at the deadline. So that's a team that I think, starting pitching-wise, I'll take my guys over theirs. My rotation is better than theirs uh, right now on paper. So uh, I think it'd be a good offensive series. I think both teams would score a lot of runs. Uh, but, uh, look, you want to try to win the division. At the end of the day, you still want to go for it. What I'm very curious about, guys, is let's say there's 10 games left in the regular season and you're four or five games out. And it's, you still have a shot, but it's a, it's a distant shot at that. What I'm curious is how teams start handling their rotation because you know, you've got to be ready to have your best guys go in those first couple of games. Um, so while you don't want to concede anything, if it looks like it's a vast long shot, I'm curious to see when teams start, you know, maybe uh, going to six man or skipping a guy to line them up going backwards uh, so they are ready when the postseason rolls around because you don't have the days off. And then once you get to the division series, that travel day is gone as well. That's going to be an interesting wrinkle. If there's a team that has to go cross country, 
good luck. <laughs> You're going to have your work cut out for you there. So uh, there's a lot of different variables at play. But I, for me, I don't want to settle. I want to try to go for the division. As long as I have a shot, I want to go for it. Um, and, again, there would be nothing sweeter than uh, coming from behind in the final 30 games and finding a way to, to nip the Mets right there at the wire. Boy, that would be that would probably be sweeter than any of the four previous division titles we've seen in this town. Kevin, whether it be a short wildcard series or a very pivotal uh, game and later in, in the playoffs, how do you weigh the young guns of Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider? Who uh, Kyle Wright's had some, some great playoff performances, but obviously Spencer Strider has not been in the playoffs. How, how do you weigh their seasons up against someone like Charlie Morton, who has been, for, for most of the last two or so months, very hot, but overall has not had as good of a season as those other two guys? Yeah, no, I look, I look at the back of the baseball card and what Charlie has done in the postseason. He's been nails. I mean, he's been really, really good. At the same time, you, you kind of want to ride your hot hands, right? So uh, Max, barring anything happening, is, is going to go game one. And then I think, you know, I don't know if you base it on opponent or base it on head-to-head matchups or what you want to do, but right now I'm riding the hot hands in, in Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider. Those guys have been terrific. Um, and then with Charlie, you know, I mean, you can put him in any spot you feel comfortable with. So, um, you know, again, you can make the argument, okay, Strider's been dominant. Maybe I trust the back of the baseball card in a certain matchup with Charlie Morton and give him a start and know that I've got a bullet like Strider where I can bring him out there for two or three innings and just let it eat, you know, just go out there and throw 100, throw gas uh, out of the bullpen. I know it's not what most fans want to hear, but there could be a little strategy involved as well if the team doesn't hit the heater well or if the team's really struggled against them. Do you maybe you know have that guy you can bring out two or three times in a wild-card series? It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But, uh, again, free to be your game one guy. Uh, I think Kyle, you know, with what he's done this year, certainly deserves to be two or three. And then, again, you look at Charlie. Uh, he's 38 years old, but, man, pitching on a broken leg in the World Series, struck out a couple of batters, so – there's something about him and his slow heartbeat when it comes to uh, the, the biggest games and the ones that matter the most. He finds a way to, to get the job done. So, look, they're in a really good position right now. They're, they're, starting pitching-wise, uh, you feel really, really good about what you had. Think about it like this last year, guys. In the playoffs, there were nights that I was going on to host the postgame show, and we would have to listen to Snit talk at the podium afterwards to find out who in the world was going to start the next playoff game. That was in the L- LCS against the Dodgers. They had Dylan Lee and uh, Tucker Davidson start World Series games for them last year. So <laughs> to, to think about where the world – and that's not a knock on either of those guys, but it shows you it's a great how point. far you've come from a, from a rotation standpoint that you're in such better shape now than you were a year ago, and you won the darn thing last year. So uh, I think it's very, very exciting uh, seeing where this team is in the final 30 games. And, Kevin, looking to the offensive side of things, last night, Triple A Gwinnett, Ozzie Albies uh, makes his first rehab assignment. Um, what are we expecting timetable wise as far as how many at bats, how many games he needs to play in Triple A before rejoining Atlanta? And then, secondly, what kind of decisions will Brian Snitker work through given that Von Grissom has had a good bat uh, for Atlanta in his month or so with the big leagues and just the various lineup shifts that he'll have to make well i think ozzy's going to need some time i mean he's missed three months that's a long time especially when you're a switch hitter you got to get your swings in uh, from both sides of the plate he dh'd last night as well so he did not play the field uh, i have not seen uh, anything from Gwinnett as of yet to see i would expect him to play second base tonight and get four more at bats and oh by the way that'll be behind mike soroka 
not a rehab start. He was activated off the injured list and then optioned to Gwinnett. So it's really a quote-unquote rehab start, but he is eligible now to be on the postseason roster given the fact he was activated off the IL. That was more of a procedural move that happened the other day. Uh, but I think it's going to take some time. Look, the, the Braves haven't put a number on it. I know Ozzy said the other day he wants to get back as quick as possible, and obviously he wants to be part of this thing down the stretch and, and help him uh, you know, get through October once again. Uh, but I think it's going to take some time. He was over four last night, put the ball in play three times, so that's a good sign. Uh, I saw him last week uh, doing baseball activities. He was moving around great. Uh, looked to be in, uh, you know, really strong and in, and in great shape. He wasn't, he wasn't just sitting around for three months eating cake, uh, you know, for, for and, and getting out of shape. I mean, he looks really, really good. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a while, probably at least a week uh, down there, maybe even longer, just to get his timing back at the plate uh, and get himself in a position where he can go out there and play, you know, three, four, five days in a row. Um, and, and so, what do you do with Von Grissom? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I was in the building the other day on Wednesday, and I saw Vaughn working with Eric Young taking fly balls in center field and left field. Um, so I think that's a bit of a tell that, hey, you know what? Well, we'll try this kid out in the outfield, get him some reps out there, see how it looks. He's athletic enough. He's, he's 21 years old, believe me. Uh, learning a new position at this level is a heck of a lot better than going back and riding the bus at uh, double or triple A again. So um, I do think you could see them mix and match the DH. Maybe Ozzy DHs a few times, similar to when Ronald came back from his long layoff. Um, so I think there are ways to keep that bat in the lineup. Uh, and, again, it's a good problem to have because you want to get Darno and Contreras as many at-bats as possible. You want to keep Grissom in there. You're going to get an all-star second baseman back. I mean, you're, you're in a really enviable position that uh, a lot of other contenders would love to have that kind of reinforcement on the way. So, again, I think it's going to be a while for Ozzy to, to get his timing back, uh, and rightfully so. But, again, when he does come back, uh, you can uh, mix and match guys, move them around, Maybe we see Grissom in the outfield. Heck, we've seen a lot worse, guys. We've seen Eric Hinsky in left field. We've seen Evan Gaddis play left field. Uh, believe me, uh, he's athletic. He's 21, and he will, he'll do whatever he needs to do to go out there. And Again, I think what he would give you offensively could overcome any defensive shortcomings you might get with a guy like Grissom learning a new spot. It's Kevin McAlpin from the Braves Radio Network and 680 The Fan there in Atlanta joining us here on the program as we're winding down our conversation. Kevin, I wanted to tip my cap to the, a little stat that we saw tweeted out by 680 The Fan yesterday talking about the power of Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, noting that the team is now 64-29 and when he's in the lineup oh. as opposed to 17-22 and when he's out. We talk so often just about, hey, this is isn't the Ronald Acuna Jr. that we're used to seeing. He is clearly, when he's at his best, one of the best players in the entire sport. But then you see numbers like that, and it's like, oh my gosh, this team really is good when Ronnie's in the lineup. Yeah, and look, even though he's not 100% and won't be the rest of the year, matter of fact, he said he feels terrible. His leg feels terrible the other night. He said it joking and laughing, but I think there's a layer of truth to that as well. But he's not feeling all that great out there moving around. Uh, but it's something he's going to have to play through. But again, even though he's not the Ronald that we're used to seeing at the plate or running the bases, that power threat, that threat, the very first pitch you throw of a ball game, knowing if you make a mistake, and a lot of pitchers love to just throw a get-me-over pitch to start a ball game, you do that against Ronald, and it's one nothing before the butts are in the seat. So you've got to be careful. Having him in there is just such a game-changer. And it's not a knock on whoever else is let off, mostly Dancy Swanson when Ronald's been out, but just having that kind of a threat, putting that spot in the back of a, an opposing pitcher's head is huge. So uh, I'm, I think that uh, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. 
64 and 29 with him in there. Uh, that that is a uh, stout figure. That's not a small sample size. So uh, I think the numbers speak for themselves. They show you that. He is such a game-changer when he's in the lineup for you. Now it's just a matter of figuring out how they can get him in there as much as possible down the stretch so he can be a guy that can be potentially an offensive hero for you in a, in a playoff game or two moving forward. Tell us what we need to know about the weekend series coming up, Kevin. Well, it starts tonight with a bang. I mean, you get a good pitching matchup with Charlie Morton and Sandy Alcantara. Uh, to me, if I had a vote, and I don't, but I wish I did, because I'd be voting for Alcantara for the Cy Young Award. This guy's got four complete games under his belt this season. That's, you want to talk about unicorn in Major League Baseball. That is as much of a unicorn as you're going to find here in 2022. So it's not a good Marlins team. It's, it's, a, it's a down offense. They've just gotten whooped by the Dodgers uh, down there in South Florida. So it's a team that, again, on paper, my team is better than your team. Now you have to go out and prove it. You have to go out and execute. But uh, I think that this is another great opportunity for the Braves to get a series victory, get on that plane Sunday night, enjoy a night off on the West Coast, then they get two with the A's on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and it's a long West Coast trip. So continue playing good baseball at home. And speaking of Acuna, it should be a rocking house tonight with the Ronald Acuna bat flip bobblehead night. So I would expect a full house, 40-some thousand in the building, and hopefully they've got a lot to cheer for tonight. Who are we on the lookout for? Who's going to be our player of the weekend coming up, Kev? Ooh, I knew you were going to do this yeah. to me. Um, you know what? I'm going with Austin Riley. Uh, I like the fact that we've seen back-to-back games with a home run. Uh, he's tied his career high, and I think he will surpass that career high of 33 homers this weekend. Not calling his shot tonight because Alcantara is a guy who <laughs> does not give up a whole lot. But at some point over the weekend, I think uh, I think Austin will get number 34. It'll be a new career high. And after a, a bit of a power outage, and I use that very, very tongue-in-cheek, what was it, about 10 or 11 days between home runs for, for Austin. But uh, I do think that he will surpass a career high. And who knows, maybe it does start tonight against one of those Marlin relievers late in the ballgame. Can't wait. We'll be listening to all the action. Kevin, thank you so much for the time as always. Fellas, have a great weekend. Appreciate it. That's Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, and he's joining us here on Sports Call in Auburn.